Fam bam, what's going on? It's your boy, Sid. And Charlotte. I am a retired NFL player, and now I'm a full-time dad, husband, and content creator. And me and my wife do this podcast together to be completely transparent about things that we're going through, about our life, about our kids, and a bunch of stuff. We don't have all the answers, and we don't have it all together. But one thing that we do have is that we are committed. We are committed to build our life the way God calls us to live. We are committed to each other in our relationship. And we are also committed to ourselves. So just being the best version of ourselves that we can be each day. And at the end of every episode, we always check in with each other. We always let each other know how we feel about his joy and what's hard in these conversations because conversation is hard in any relationship, but especially marriage. And we always reiterate to each other that I'm committed to Charlotte and that she's committed to me and that we're in this together. We hope you enjoy this episode. Bam Bam, what is going on? It has been a long time, about four months to be exact. I checked today because I was so sad when I figured out how long it's been. It's been that long? Yeah, four been, months? It's been four months. Wow. Yeah, I checked today. I was like, that's really sad. But obviously in the past four months, there has been a lot of things going on. So prior to when we were doing our podcast, COVID was not a thing, um, which is obviously has taken over the whole world. And has rocked a lot of people's world, including ours. But um, first of all, hello, Big. How are you doing? I'm just talking. <laughs> hey, fam, bam. What's going on? I'm glad to be back with you guys. Um, the other thing that has been going on and has been going on for longer than four months, for like 400 years, is the oppression of black people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we wanted to get back into well, that's kind of what we wanted to start with, uh, with starting the podcast back is talking about the incident with George Floyd, um, our experience living in Minneapolis. And I don't think people even understand how close we are to the situation uh, that happened. But uh, we kind of we kind of just want to get into our experience living here and the things that we went through, uh, because we think it's important to talk about. And yeah, so. Uh, yeah. So like said, said, um, like I said, this is we realize that police brutality and the system or systemic oppression of black people has been going on since mm-hmm. like America's inception. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not anything new, but you like emphasize that during a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that's why this is not just a moment. This is now a movement mm-hmm. because George Floyd, George Floyd's murder was like in the middle of this global pandemic and the stay at home order here in Minnesota. Um, so it's just, it's been a very crazy, scary, stressful, hopeful, like so many different things Mm -hmm. going on in the world and then in our own backyard Mm -hmm. um you know while i've been with said over the last eight and a half years every time we have heard of police brutality or another black man or woman being murdered um, by the police it's hit close to home but this really brought a whole new meaning to close to home Mm -hmm. 
I think for me, um, like I think growing up in LA, like I'm originally from uh, Los Angeles, California, as most of you guys know, and I've grew up around bru- police brutality and the whole nine yards. And this hit different more than anything. Um, I don't know really know why. I think it's because so first off, where George Floyd was murdered, it was right literally a couple blocks from our church. Um, and then I think just seeing the video and like seeing the video from start to finish and seeing how slow and gruesome it was, it just did something different to me more so than any other, um, video of an African American being killed. Um, so I think we want to do is talk about, we wanted to talk about our experience, uh, from the time that we saw the video to like everything that happened, because there's a lot of stuff that happened that, uh, was just crazy. So I think when I first saw the video, I wasn't with Charlotte. I was by myself. And I, the the, video, the part of the video that I saw was right away when he got killed. I didn't see, like, the whole, like, leading up to it. And what I usually do is when I see stuff like that, I kind of just, like, sit and process it and not try to feel any kind of way about it. But it was something about this killing that was, like, pierced my heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, when he screams out, you know, mama, um, it pierced me in a way that, uh, it's hard for me to put into words. And then to find out that his mom had passed two years prior Mm -hmm. to the situation. Um, so I saw the video. I don't even think me and Shara talked about it right away. And after that, honestly, everything was kind of a blur. I went into such like this emotional shock that I'll get into a little bit later, but I remember, I'm pretty sure Charlotte knows a lot of the more smaller details of like leading up to some of the days. Yeah. So I remember it was Tuesday morning and it was the first time I had opened Instagram and I opened up my Instagram and the first post that I saw was Sean King's post of the video of George Floyd being murdered. And I remember I sent it to Cedric or I asked you, I was like, have you seen this? And you said yes. But at the time, I don't think that we realized where exactly he was. Mm -hmm. Like it said Minneapolis. And Mm -hmm. we're like, oh my gosh, this happened in Minneapolis. And then I watched the video and I could see the cross streets. I'm like, it looks really familiar. And I was like, where exactly did this happen? And I found out it was on 38th in Chicago, right? I believe so. And, um, Our church is literally on what, 34th in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So four blocks. And so immediately I was like, said, this is, we were at my mom's house, which is just a mile and a half from Mm -hmm. 38th in Chicago. And I was like, said, this, this is just down the street. Mm -hmm. Do you know where this is? And at that point, I don't think you had watched the video in its entirety. Mm -hmm. I remember I immediately was like, we have to talk to our pastor about it. He needs to know if he doesn't already, he needs to know what has happened in, in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I remember texting with our pastor being like, have you seen this? Everyone in our church should be aware that this happened just a couple blocks from where we meet every week. And, you know, we, picked our church a great deal because of the vision and the mission of the church. It's to multiply diverse groups of disciples. And um, while diversity is one of its, you know, core 
values and foundations. A lot of the members in our church are white. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a lot more diversity than than I've experienced in other churches, but I thought it was really important for all of our members, but specifically our white members to know that this kind of police brutality, it's not just something you hear about in Georgia or in LA or, you know, we think of like segregation and all of this and we think of the South, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, this is happening just a few blocks from where, where we do like where we worship, but then also in the community where we do life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I don't remember all the details after that because I'm telling you, I literally went into shock. Um, I realize now that it's been about a month so, since he's died. Um, I haven't posted any videos or anything because I've just been processing everything because, like I said, this has hit me in a way unlike anything in my life. Um, seeing the video and then like processing like me having kids and then he has he has a daughter, him being black, me being black. The look on the cop's face when he. Uh, had his knee on George's neck was something that like really, really, I don't know if it scared me. I don't know what it did, but it did something to me. There were times in the very beginning, like prior to the riots or the protest, um, Charlotte would like leave me at home by myself. And I didn't even have to ask her. She can tell something was wrong with me. And there would be times, I don't even know if she knows this, but I would like be sitting in the living room by myself and I'd just be crying. And it was uncontrollable tears. It was uncontrollable emotions. Because I, what I realized now is like, I was taking in so much information from Instagram and news about what had happened, and you know, black people being mad and people saying there was an uprising and all this stuff. And then like, I realized how much of these things I think I wasn't really paying attention to because it was so normal to me growing up in LA. Like I have plenty of instances in my life where I ran into cops and. Um, whether they're racist or not racist, there was definitely a different type of force and intention on me than I think somebody else uh, of not the same complexion as me. So I started going through all these things where I'm just like crying uncontrollably to where I tried to gather myself because then things started to shift in the city. So first the protests were happening and then you know, they were peaceful. And then as you saw stuff on Instagram, it was like, okay, this is getting crazy. Like there's thousands and thousands of people outside mm-hmm. all night to where you can kind of tell it almost felt like for lack of a better term, like a war zone, like something. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I can say that, but it was like a war zone and we're like, we're like in the thick of all mm-hmm. this stuff. So in that Charlotte wanted to go over to her mom's house together because we just well, didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. So where we live is just about two miles from where George Floyd was murdered, mm. but we're kind of like in on the outskirts of an area called Uptown, for those of you who aren't familiar with Minnesota or Minneapolis. And there's Uptown and then there's Lake Street. And Lake Street runs through Uptown. And then if you go further east, that's where like all of the fires and the looting were happening. But when we say, oh, if you go a little further east, we're talking just a few blocks up to a couple miles. So not very far. And so 
there are businesses that are just a half block away from us that were getting broken into um, during the, the looting and the fires. And so for me, it was already, like said was describing, it was a very like, you could feel it. Yeah, you, you could feel, feel the, the vibe. Yeah, it was crazy. The, you know, the National Guard was deployed. There are mm. literally like tanks rolling down the city <laughs> yeah. streets. Um, there are, you know, thousands and thousands of people out um, marching down the streets, like mm. very close to us. And there was like nonstop media coverage. So there were mm. constantly helicopters overhead. Mm. You would hear. And mind you, like helicopters and stuff like that is foreign in Minneapolis right. like I'm from LA so like hearing a helicopter is like hearing like a car outside so to hear a helicopter I was like oh, yo dog this is for real like this is serious and then another thing that really got me is when you walked out of our house or drove everybody every company is like boarding up their mm -hmm. their businesses so you like damn you're dog, like this bracing. is for yeah you're like bro this is for real yeah so we um get to Charles house and at this point I'm like at this point I'm out of like I'm still in like emotional mode, but now I'm like in protective mode. I'm like, right. okay, like I gotta do what I gotta do if it comes to that point because like we're hearing all this stuff about like so the so the first night, see I'm getting mixed up with the day. So there was some point we stayed at Charlotte's mom's house, and then the next day we woke up, we heard that there was a curfew. Mm -hmm. So the curfew came up, and then once the curfew came, they had the right to arrest a lot of people. So they arrested a bunch of people. And then the news came back that 80% of the people that they arrested were people who were out of state and supposedly they were white supremacist yeah so the government officials were coming back and reporting that there were outside groups moving into the city mm -hmm. um for the purpose of destruction and so uh, there were fires um there was you know continued to be break-ins but there were fires to like the post office and even over in north minneapolis far from where like the majority of the protests were happening, there were fires over there too. So there was all of this information coming out and we still don't really know mm -hmm. the truth of it. Um, but there was a bunch of information coming out saying like there are groups here in Minneapolis with the sole purpose of causing destruction and havoc in the city. And there were reports that they were placing um, like, like gas and, and mm. different incendiaries, like in mm. people's bushes. And mm -hmm. they were telling you, you know, you need to protect your own home because the police and the fire department, they're not going to be able to come mm. to you. So like people were literally filling up their bathtubs with water and getting out their mm. hoses so that if something were mm. to catch on fire, that they could go and put it out. And the crazy thing was like when you got on Instagram, cause in Minneapolis, like people are like texting us and sending stuff and DMing us. You've seen videos of like, I'm pretty sure the viral one of that one, the one white guy who was like in like a cop uniform and he's the one that starts banging on the auto zone. In the all black. In the all black. Yeah, and they confronted umbrella. him and they mm -hmm. found out that he was uh, supposedly, I don't no, know if it's true. it's not confirmed. Okay, yeah. yeah. Supposedly they said that he was uh, some cop or something. We mm -hmm. don't know if it's true. But that's the thing that's hard about all this stuff is like the thing about white supremacists coming, the guy being, you know, an undercover cop. Like there were so There's, many things going on. And when that was happening, it made me get more tense. Cause at yeah. this point I'm like, okay, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I got a wife, I got two little girls. And then on top of that, I'm at the house. And then at Charlotte's mom's house, I'm like the only like, oh, Charlotte has a little brother. Yeah, I'm sure you guys all know Marcus, my little cousin. It's like, yeah, we got them, but we all know if something <laughs> go down, I don't know when they gotta do it. So I'm like, I gotta protect, I gotta protect all these lives. So the way that Charlotte's mom's house work, it's like, 
technically four stories. So me four and floors. four floors, yeah. So me, Marcus, and Keegan are standing on the in the basement. Charlotte is standing on the first floor with her sister, and then people stand everywhere else. So me, Marcus, and Keegan stand up all night. You got us in a we're in a group text. Charlotte texting us, "There's noise. Go outside." So we're like going outside, peeking the window. I'm like, Keegan, grab me the knife. <laughs> I'm like, bro, give me give me something, bro. Because something happened, I gotta be the first one. I, and I told Marcus, I said, "Bro, I know y'all young." But if there's some go down, y'all gotta risk y'all life because <laughs> like this is this is for real. You know, so it's, it's funny to laugh about now, but like when I, we were going through that stuff, it was not. Funny. It was not funny. Like, I'm like I'm in like back in like Compton mode. I'm like okay, like if something happened, you like know what I'm saying? Any it's, anytime like the sun set and we were going into the night, that was like okay, we're all gonna get really serious yeah. because mm-hmm. even during the day, this was confirmed and I saw it for myself. There were a bunch of cars that were unmarked without license oh, plates. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd been taking mm-hmm. their license plates off, mm-hmm. driving around and like I think trying to scare people, mm-hmm. which it worked. They were all like I said, there we filled up our bathtubs and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but even at night after the curfew. Now, there were some protesters, but there were other people who were just, like, drag racing up and down the street. Oh, yeah, that was streets. crazy, yeah. And you heard it everywhere. It was, like, all you heard is a bunch of, like, cars, like, skirting and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah, that was pretty much our experience. And for me, um, it kind of brought up this feeling of, like, really being back home. And, like, my entire life, I kind of lived in this war zone mentality where it was, like, you kind of had to watch your back and protect your own based mm-hmm. on, you know, essentially back home it was like colors um like gang colors and even skin color in some retrospect um but yeah just to see that happen in this city was really shocking for me because it's something like in minnesota the most violent thing i probably saw was like somebody like crossing a red light or something (laughs) well i think you know i think it's that's for me i think it was really important that something like everything that happened here did happen in a place like Minneapolis because being from Minnesota, we like to think of ourselves as like a fairly progressive place. The thing, the the quote here is Minnesota nice. No, but like progressive in that, like we're accepting and Mm. we like, we have, you know, people in office who are, you know, more liberal um but having this all happen here in minnesota i think it really exposed a lot of the systemic issues that we've kind of brushed off or said like oh well that's you know the south is Mm -hmm. the issue um but having things happen in minnesota i think that played a really important role in like the protests not only being here in Minnesota. Like when the protests were in Ferguson, there were a couple of protests in other cities. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like they lasted as long as what's going on now. Do you think that if we weren't in quarantine, it would be the same uh, effect? I think quarantine also played a role in it. Um, you saw Minnesotans who, for the most part, were staying at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in Minnesota, like we were at home during, you know, th- we, we were going into the stay at home order wa- right after, like we were easing up out of winter mm-hmm. and 
as you know, like living in Minnesota, you get so stir crazy during the winter. That you're itching to go outside. You're itching to go outside. Mm -hmm. So the moment it hits like 45 degrees, you see everybody out in shorts. Well, this year, as soon as the weather started to get warmer was when the stay at home order Mm -hmm. went into effect. Mm -hmm. And so we were all at home like for... (laughs) not just the winter, but into March and April Mm. and May when people really in Minnesota are like breaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Because, you know, the weather here, like you've such a short period of time where there's good weather. Um, So I do think that that played a role in like how big of a turnout. Um, I feel like people felt not obviously that it was important, but probably selfishly they were trying to get out right? trying to get yeah, out yes that's the honest thing i feel like i mean obviously we can't tell the future but i think that if it wasn't for quarantine i don't think the impact would have have been as big i think because people were really itching to be outside and i think honestly i think like the psychological aspect of being locked in the house for so long i think it made george floyd's death hit much harder because people have more time to sit and process and sit at home mm-hmm. and think about what really happened. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, even me being a black male, it had a big, huge role in me just sitting and not being able to go outside and like watching that death and processing and like seeing myself in his shoes and dealing with like police brutality in the past. I, I sat in that stuff and I got hit like a train. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that quarantine has a huge part and the huge impact that this had. And then also like, even when, the protests were going on like celebrities were coming out here like nick cannon and steve um what was his last name george floyd's like relative um he's a basketball player everybody came out here and i think when people saw that it was like oh my god like everybody's coming together and like i want to go outside and do this stuff taking precaution of the rona because you know what i'm saying like that was still very serious yeah. that's one of the reasons i didn't go out and I think we're obviously to like protect protect our family from like going out there and like I don't want the run, I don't want to pass it to anybody else. Um, so yeah, all I have to say, I think it was yeah. But I, for me, I kept saying this to you like while everything, and still even now, it it felt very much here in Minneapolis, and I'm sure in other places because there were protests like all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like we were living in history, yeah. like in a moment of mm-hmm. history. Two moments of history, like with Arona and yeah. with George Floyd. It was crazy. It felt like we were like in this book just being written like the mm-hmm. entire time. Like I'm I'm driving down the street and just watching the boards be patched up. And I'm just like, this feels like a movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're in like a mix between like the purge and like like 40 years of slave or something. It was like crazy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then like what was really encouraging to me was like so I actually didn't go out and protest, but it was one, I was really itching to go out there. And Sharp was like, Cedric, no. And I was like, I have to be out there. I want to see it. She's like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, well whatever. So not- no, I know. I'm going to let you give your piece. Okay. So uh, what I decided to do is I just drove down Chicago. Um, not Chicago. I drove down like Lake, Lake Street, Street, which where everything was at. And I was able to see and I recorded some of this stuff. And what was encouraging was like going out there and seeing all the people of every single color, mm-hmm. like fixing all the buildings like the city was absolutely destroyed and every single color every race was out there like being together and fixing up the damage and nobody was mad because people understood what was going on mm-hmm. like the wrath of you know oppression of black and black people being fed up came out you know what i mean like i tell people all the time like i tell a lot of my white friends like you know 
if you mess with a dog long enough, it's going to bite you. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's how I look at what was going on. I don't think everything was right, but I can speak for myself when I get to a certain point when I'm fed up, I'm fed up, you know? So for me, and I think we can, this is like a whole nother one, but for me as a wife to a black man, there is, there has been a fear and there, I think it just like was hyper-focused on my fear of you going out. Yeah, Charlotte was already hypersensitive about everything that I did when it came to Around cops. police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, even before George Floyd, I mean, we've seen so many black men and women and children be murdered by police. And so even before George Floyd, I remember, I mean... Every time we drive by the cops, yeah. I'm like, don't go too fast. Like, stop Turn for signal. longer. Put yeah. your single on, signal on. It's like, bro, come on. Yeah. But I think in addition, like you brought up COVID, I think the other thing that had um, a big impact on why so many people, why now? I, th- yeah. I see that question a lot. Why now, white people? Um, was the video. Yeah, it was like we've seen video like of Philando Castile here in Minnesota. You've seen the video, but this was a video of it was over ten minutes yeah, and nine, you know, almost nine minutes of it. And he was so compliant. Cop, like that's the you yeah. have a cop kneeling on George Floyd. So yeah, I think yeah. that had a big part in it too. Yeah. Um, but my hope and prayer is that this isn't just another moment. Um, it. For me, it feels different, mm. but I also feel like when you look on social media, I feel other people going back to regular life and both pre-corona and pre-George Floyd's murder, um, I think it's important to realize that that wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. Like the systemic oppression of black people is not a normal that anyone should be okay with. Mm. And so my hope is that this wouldn't end here. Mm -hmm. This wouldn't end with people going back to posting selfies and Mm -hmm. whatever on social media. And I'm not saying that like you shouldn't celebrate your life. I think especially for black families, it's more important like to share your joy and your life. Um, as much as you feel comfortable with. Um, Like I just kept telling said, like you've, you know, we've got to keep sharing the good about you and us too. Cause I think that is really important in the conversation. But my hope is that this wouldn't just end with the black squares on Instagram or um, even just a single donation. Like that's all good conversations are good but in order to build a system that is fair and just for everyone it's going to take commitment of work within ourselves and within our community every single day Mm -hmm. um forever and ever not just for a month or a year or 10 years like this has been 400 years in the making and it's going to take a long, long time to tear it all down and 
build something that mm. does work for all Americans. Mm. I think you make a lot of really good points. I think for me to kind of end this whole thing, because a lot of my friends, specifically white friends, would write me asking me, like, what do they think they should do and how you may change all this stuff. And I mean, I don't really have the answer. But one thing that I did, like Charlie mentioned donations and all that stuff, which is really good. Um, but for me, you know, my friends would write me and I would come up, I would think about these answers. And I realized if we really want to see change, change is going to happen where, you know, you're not put on a screen, you're not at the forefront of like, you know, making a donation or whatever, all that's good. But where you really are going to see changes where people of color or people in general won't see you. Uh, I've been around friends who make like racist jokes, who make certain comments where there's obviously a racist underlying tone. And if you're around stuff like that, the way things really are going to change is to speak up around friends and people who are doing that stuff when you don't really believe in it. It's really easy to go in with the joke and laugh it off and know in your head that it's wrong. But if you really want to see change, that's what's going to make change. Donations are good. You know, supporting black businesses, all that stuff is great. It's fantastic. I'm not taking anything away from that. But if you want to make change, you have to speak up where you're not seen, where you know, you risk possibly losing relationships. You risk speaking about something that's very difficult uh, to speak yeah. on. And it's not even just jokes. Like there are so many microaggressions that happen every mm -hmm. day in, uh, you know, conversations and even just looks. Mm -hmm. um, so like said said, I think it's speaking up with your friends and family and strangers, but also I think it's, more about doing the work within yourself, mm -hmm. starting with your own heart too. Um, because I know even me, like whether it's conscious or unconscious, there's things that have been taught to us or things that have not been taught to us mm -hmm. about um, the black experience here in America um, that have just become like, whether again, whether it's conscious or not, um, it's just become a part of the way that we operate in the world yeah. and it's not okay. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about checking your own heart constantly, but then also starting in your own home too. Mm -hmm. Like I was just at a discipleship group for church and we were just talking about the conversations that we have to have with our children mm -hmm. um, to teach them about the color of their skin. And those aren't just conversations that black families should be having. Those are conversations that white families, it's almost, you know, more important that they're having yeah. with their kids mm -hmm. um, to teach them, like just even talking to Maddie about how her brown skin is beautiful. We have to have those conversations in our house. And it's not just black families that have to have those conversations. Yeah. So, yeah, but that was our experience with the entire, you know, George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. And obviously we have a huge condolences to George Floyd and his family and everybody who's out doing our thing, fighting for change. And no matter how you're making change, whether that's posting on Instagram or out there protesting or voting, voting, I'm educating myself on voting too. So I'm, when I say voting, I'm talking about myself, the way that you're making change, whatever you're doing it, you're doing something. Don't feel guilty about, you know, the way that you're doing it or not being on the ground or whatever. If you're doing something, whether that's in your heart, making a donation, having a conversation, whatever it is. Um, 
just make sure you're doing it wholeheartedly and that's how we will see change and keep doing it yeah don't stop don't let this be a little you know a little something that you know power it's to the trending. people yeah it's trending mm-hmm. so yeah that was our experience and yeah so but we're excited to be back and we have some more exciting stuff to talk about on the next one so we'll see y'all on the next one till next time thank you for listening uh this was really fun um if you guys have any questions or anything that you want to ask us uh we'll try our best to get back to you we get a lot of questions but we love our fan bam so we try to get back to everybody you can Follow me on all my social medias. Mine is at Set By Me across all the platforms. And uh, Charlotte's Instagram is, maybe you should say it for them instead of me saying it. <laughs> my Instagram is ca.pt.